I mean, five people on a call? That's got to be some kind of record, right? Oh, we've had... Uh, wait. That's right. No. No, you're right. We have had three guests back when, when it was just you and I hosting. Mm-hmm. We did have three guests at once. Now it's sort of shifted where we have four hosts, one, one guest. guest. <laughs> I'm sure that that's... I feel outnumbered. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you can make some sort of uh, mental image about that, but... Um... Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, listeners, uh, welcome to a very special episode of Mars on Life. The whole gang is here. Everyone's here talking on this very interesting evening. We're recording on a Saturday, so some of what we talk about might be a little bit dated by the time the episode drops. We'll see. Um, but we have a very, very, very special guest joining us. Um, there's only so many episodes left in the season. Definitely working on the guest front. But I'm happy we have this guest on, uh, especially with what we're about to talk about. Special guest, please introduce yourself. Oh, you're talking about me? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got lost in, in, in that incredible intro. Uh, I'm, I'm Stephen Daniels, uh, former publisher of The Proclaimer and a former host of the Talk of Santa Clarita podcast. Did about 170 episodes for about six years and... Uh, Realized I was getting nothing back from it. <laughs> it do be like that sometimes. Yeah. 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 I, I do have a burning question, though, and I've kind of been wanting to ask this ever since, like Ryan, I was, you know, gainfully employed with the Proclaimer mm. in Santa Clarita, yeah. specifically for the talk of Santa Clarita, similar to what, you know, the four of us are doing here. How was it in regards to, general atmosphere or like um i don't want to say the word proclaiming because that that's just a <laughs> pun in and of itself but broadcasting to a city you know let's say smaller than your typical los angeles or new york like if i was just interviewing the city council in los angeles i mean i'm sure mm-hmm. i could probably get a couple of thousand listeners at least um but santa clarita not everybody listens to a podcast it, it is kind of a still a small town so I kind of took that, and it was a very specialized show. It wasn't meant to just be about politics, but it, it kind of ended up being that way. And not everybody wants to hear what Mike Garcia has to say for two hours. And, um, you know, so so you, you get a limited amount of, of people that listen, you know. So occasionally we'd get somebody on that would um, was more of a national thing, like Jank uh, Uger or... Uh, right, right. I, I was going to say, you had, like, some really big names on there, didn't you? Well, I had a decent amount. I mean, yeah, you know, I said you'd be surprised at who was willing to talk to you, talk for an hour about themselves, you know? Um, yeah, I think it just made me wonder, like, the, the guests that would come on, like, the audience that they would that they would bring, you know, like, that brings the listenership, that brings the, the, the audience. Um, um, like, yeah. does it does it ever pan out that way? Or is it because and, and it's... Jank had brought a big audience because of the Young Turks okay. following and stuff like that. And I was not prepared for that. Interesting. Uh, okay. Because the, the feedback that I got was like, you know, we, we shot it on a day that it had been raining, so my hair was completely wet and looked greasy. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I and I was kind of because I'm a friend of Christy Smith's, I was kind of looking at Jank, you know, both as a fan of him when he was on MSNBC, but also skeptical of him as running for uh for Congress out here and and kind of hitting both ends of that. And um, his audience is just rabid. I mean, they're like Trump fans. They're just they're just crazy, you know. And and just 
railed on me like you would not believe and you have to have a you know a, a strong um uh, ego or, or not to be able to put up with that because it's just it was uh it was tough it was tough on, on me so it was, we had about 80,000 people watched and listened to that prod, podcast which is huge Holy numbers hell. for me you know wow and wow. and then and then and then there <laughs> you get these people that actually take the podcast and then and dissect it on YouTube on their YouTube shows and then that goes out <laughs> even more to these people that that are looking at it and 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 literally there was some guy uh who you know, or uh, I think he called himself like the young radical or liberal or something like that. And he dissected it in his, you know, loyal to Jank and and broke it down uh, uh, with like select segments of the show without knowing anything about me or anything about it and just made me look terrible. Oh, <laughs> man. Sued for defamation. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would have. Yeah, part yeah. of it, you know, you just got to you got to have a thick skin. You know? No, no, I, I get that. that. That's really interesting. Yeah, because we've always sort of had this belief where it's like it all it matters where you broadcast. It matters who your audience is. But also, I guess now that that just got added, you know, it matters, of course, who you have on and, you know, the the not the pushback, but the uh, sort of the wave that follows. So. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I really wanted to ask that because as someone who's never really officially had like a recording studio, if that makes sense, you know, mm -hmm. we've just sort of been using the equipment that we've had. Um, yeah. I'll stop talking, but basically uh, <laughs> it's, it's very it's very interesting to know the other side when there's more production quality that going into it. There's more guests with bigger names going into it and um you know it just well, goes to show ask, that you'd be yeah. surprised you'd be surprised who's willing to come on a show i mean mm -hmm. when we first got steve knight on i had done four episodes and i called his office and and to my shock they were like yeah sure he'll be glad to do it you know so it, it, it just kind of comes down to asking you know uh but it, the thing that's interesting to me is i was never able once to predict what kind of viewership i would get or listenership you know based on the guests like i would i would get somebody and I would go, okay, this is going to be a big deal, you know? And then you get like, you know, 60 listens. <laughs> and mm -hmm. then you go, you get somebody that like, ah, oh, this is just, I'm just going to do it almost as a courtesy to them, you know? And, and, and then they get like 500 or a or thousand and you're like, well, what was the big deal about this person? You know, it's, it's, a, it's impossible to predict what kind of listenership we'd get on, on each episode. For a while now, the, the talk of Santa Clarita has been in other hands, but mm -hmm. what, has there been any updates on that front? I, I don't honestly. I don't know what's happened with it. The guy was paying me in installments. He owes me one more payment to 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 have completely sold it. But he he was uh, he was really into religious stuff. He was a minister, and I think he got involved with the new ministry and just kind of sold everything that he had. Uh, and he, I've reached out to him a couple of times, but he hasn't responded. So honestly, I have. If if we have any legal uh, guys out there who could tell me if he hasn't fully paid for the talk of Santa Clarita. Do I still own it? I don't, I don't know. You know, I mean, there's a part of me, it kind of goes, well, maybe I should just pick it up again and, and, and start I mean, doing it again. But it, uh, it makes me wonder if you sold the actual copyright, like the name itself, or if you just sold the studio space. Well, I don't, I don't have studio space. Oh, I'm sorry. Not studio space, but um, no, it would just be copyright in that case. Yeah. yeah. Just the name. Just the name. Just the name. He, or the, the trade. Excuse me. Yeah, he was interested in, and in, in, he had built a podcast studio in one of the uh, over in the industrial, the industrial area of, of Santa Clarita, 
and was talking about how he was going to make all this money doing these these podcasts and and uh and 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 bringing in people to do their own podcasts and things like that and i'm like i'm shaking my head going this is a bad business model but I, I didn't tell him that but i just kind of thought that and it's like you know because you you can podcast with a, with an ipad these days you know and everybody right. you don't podcast. need a studio to podcast yeah Just exactly a microphone in so, the laptop yeah I think so what I, it is is when you have areas like Santa Clarita that yeah. are so open, mm -hmm. it kind of lends itself to, I don't know, I guess the belief that like there should be some empty warehouse space where you could set something like that up. And yeah. that's kind of what Ryan and I have experienced in regards to the Good News Radio mm -hmm. with our sister show, Touchdowns and Tangents, where it's like the the hosts of that show have the equipment to do virtually remotely yeah. like we've been yeah. doing but they have a studio <laughs> technically yeah. they, you know andrew i see you laughing what, what i'm just grinning because you know love the boys but um i'll just say audio <laughs> recording is an adventure that's all i'll say yeah <laughs> i know what you mean uh <laughs> there there, yeah, there it... have been a couple of times where i've uh you know <laughs> the audio you just kind of go with what you have you know <laughs> it's just you know i mean you can't get the guests back again you kind of got to go okay well this is as good as it's going to get you know oh, yeah. well i remember too there was an episode where um of the talk of santa clarita where you had christy on and i think you were in your garage mm -hmm. and it was it was a little windy that day so it was sort of like okay what's picking up and if i remember correctly i i do remember listening to that episode very closely and it was fun audio wise like yeah there, there might have been like a little bit of oh they're clearly outside recording this but mm -hmm. i mean i'm personally one of those people and and it's sort of testament to what i've done on this show where mm -hmm. if i'm outside recording something i don't care i, I want that yeah. pickup of what's going on in the street kinda, or that's what yeah. i like about podcasts in general is that they're they're kind of uh loose about the recording and uh, i mean <laughs> uh mark maron who i who who i just think is the king of podcasts i mean <laughs> he one time got up in the middle of his show because someone was mowing the lawn outside and you hear him get up yell at the neighbor going hey i'm doing a podcast turn off the gun turn off the mower you know and, and then he sits back down and does the interview doesn't doesn't edit doesn't take that out or anything leaves it in there and i just think that's kind of kind of the fun of it you know um and, and, we, and when we were recording out in the park we would we would deal with that looks with, with soccer with kids the wind blowing the, the sign over or, or whatever and it just kind of we just ran with it with whatever was happening although the christy one um in the garage was because we had actually tried to do her on tuesday mm -hmm. we, we did that one on friday we did we had tried to do it on tuesday and the wind, it was supposed to be 75 degrees, sunny and perfect weather. But the wind and the, and, 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 uh, the cold just came like, 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 uh, it was like a small hurricane or something like that. And Chrissy and I were trying to do podcasts. Wind was blowing everywhere. We were blowing everywhere. And, uh, you know, that was like, okay, I guess we're going to find the garage and use the garage next time. <laughs> I think you recorded at the New Hall Library at used some to do point. that for a while too and and they got to where they just oh it's, there's steven doing his podcast again and i'd set up in one of the uh, study rooms and, and and just do it in there um which was nice i, I originally when i started doing the podcast i liked I, before we did started doing video i liked going to the person's house mm. uh, because i thought it was interesting to sit down in their house and just kind of see what kind of house they've got you know just kind of check it out you know like alan Furman, who was one of my first guests was living in the same house for 50 years 
it's small it's not really fancy or anything like that but it you know it suits your needs and and it kind of says something about him in contrast if you go to um i won't say whose name it was but i went to their house and it was a mess just a disaster area because they got kids and stuff like that and i thought wow you, you can't help but go you didn't even bother to pick up a little bit you know maybe uh you know and it just it just it, it tells you a little bit about the person uh just by their surroundings of their house what what's important to them you know uh if they've got dogs if they've got cats if they've got you know what what kind of things they have up on the wall what kind of pictures and stuff like that and you can look at it and it it just says something about the an individual. So I you got I got something out of that when I was just doing the audio podcast that I didn't get when we started doing it just in the live library because we had a set place, you know. Right. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> I don't I don't really have an answer an into that story except you know maybe Batman swooped and you know saved the day or something. So it's too early. It's too soon for Batman comments. And I should <laughs> know too. Uh, our our sister podcast uh touch on Zanons, as far as i know and andrew correct me if i'm wrong do you know where they're recording now or i know they've moved around a little bit since leaving good news somewhere in down there in that area i don't know the exact location but um <laughs> okay. they're, they're they're making do they're they're making do and they got people on so again audio recording is an adventure yes <laughs> yes um south bay wins um anyway sebastian knows what i'm talking about there uh <laughs> but so we just had the midterms gentlemen yes uh, yeah we, we had i didn't do episode... so hot on that test honestly i'm hoping the <laughs> final can really bump my grade up okay. <laughs> um, oh man it was uh i don't know i i don't really know what to make of the results just because off obviously nothing is finalized but well, um, I, let, let's be real. The, the odds of Christie catching Garcia at this point are not very likely. I mean, I, I it just doesn't. I mean, I know they've got a right. lot still to dump, but I mean, he's she's. The last I looked, she was down by fifteen thousand votes. The uh, I mean, she yeah. has a she has a path, but the the odds of it making of uh, getting there are not very likely. Right. Uh, let's be honest. And, and, and Pilar Shivo, uh, the other Dem running for assembly against Suzanne Martinez Valadares. Uh, same situation. I, I, you know, she's closer, but I, I, I st she's still got a big gap to fill that it just, I don't, I don't, it doesn't seem likely to me. Uh, I have a question. I, yes. Um, considering how when we had Katie, like we, we somehow flipped this purple, mm -hmm. this area. Yeah. And it seemed like it was, we were going in a, a good path. Is the, the current three times of paunch that we're getting, the three, the, three servings of paunch in Congress. Is that like, do y'all think that's reactionary to the blow up yes. that happened with Christie? Yes. The, the, it doesn't help. Is it her fault that we have three no, rounds well, of paunch? I think, I think, um, well, two things. And Christy and I talked about it on a, the last podcast we did. There is a problem with the fact that Katie kind of burned us a little bit, whether she did it intentionally or not is irrelevant. And Christy is a, another blonde woman running for congress and people have a tendency to go is that the same person is it you know i mean i mean they really do and the other the other thing is um but you have to look at the race itself and a lot of it it was christie's to lose you know what i mean she was she was ahead uh, the, the democrats in this district lead by about 10 points so why she's going from losing by 333 votes to thousands of votes you know i 
has to come down to the way the campaign played out, you know, um, the D triple C, no, no big help at all. Mm. Uh, they, 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 they brought in their own candidate, Quay quarterly guy or whatever his name was, who got like 1% of the vote, but drained her resources for fundraising. And she had to spend a bunch of money on the carpetbagger too, right? He was carpetbagger. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, on paper, he looked like a great candidate, but he's not from the district and that matters. And if the D triple C would pay, I don't even know why anybody listens to the D triple C, the frigging guy, Sean Patrick Maloney, that is in charge of the D triple C lost his own goddamn race. So what does he know? <laughs> you know, I mean, and and you look at uh, the the difference between those two campaigns, uh, Garcia's and uh, and Christie's, and and Garcia, what did he focus on? He focused on he, the economy, taxes, things that he can't do anything about, but people are complaining about, and and uh, and and trying to uh, put money in people's pockets. Christie focused on abortion. Which in California, whether you know there's going to be a national situation or not, national uh, uh, revoc revocation of uh, abortion rights, people think, in California think it's safe and secure here, so they don't think about it. And and so, you know, she didn't hit what people cared about in in the election is is, is what it, bottom line it comes down to. I think uh, Pilar did the same thing. She kept running these ads about how Susanna was. Um, was was uh, was not pro-choice but suzanne sent out one text message and said that's not true i am pro-choice solve the problem but they were still running the ads saying she's a radical trump person but suzanne is not suzanne is not um she's she's more of a middle line and and and, and uh as a person but she also has a tendency that she votes regularly with republicans you know she is a republican obviously but uh uh but she's more of a moderate than she is an extremist before I even mention this, I, I, I vividly remember when her and uh, Garcia were both running against each other for Congress. This was right before, literally right. the day, my last day at the Signal, mm -hmm. <clears throat> before I moved on to other ventures. I remember covering a, it was like a Republican women's breakfast, and both of mm -hmm. them were there. I still can see the picture in my mind because I, mm -hmm. it's one of, you know, it, you go to my author page on the Signal website and there it is. Um, there they both are. And I just remember the four candidates that were there. Suzette was the one that outright said, and it, it took me by surprise, and I made sure I mentioned it in the story, that she did not back Donald Trump's whole border wall policy. And yeah. fast forward to the recall, and you know, and, and this was something I, I did notice with Pilar's advertising, and I, I had mixed feelings about it because it was trying to say, well, Pilar backed Larry Elder. Well, mm -hmm. based on our own reporting, the Proclaimer's own reporting of the event, she was there um, stumping for Larry Elder, but she didn't endorse him. Mm -hmm. If anything, it's what it said to me, and, and based on the reporting that we did, uh, that Savannah did, Savannah Birchfield, who was our reporter at the time who covered it, she had already endorsed somebody else, and I want to say the guy was from San Diego originally, but she was there to sort of rile Republicans up to just go vote, mm. despite the fact that the event was for Larry Elder. So it's like, well, that's great, but this isn't for your guy, yeah. Suzette. This is for the guy that everyone in the state is scared about. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, my opinion on Suzette, I've always found it fascinating when I did do uh, my first podcast with her. Mm. She, she said that you know she didn't want to be a Democrat because Democrats never did anything for Latinos. 
And right. she realized that at a very early young age, you know, they you know, she, she said that she felt that the Democrats would always promise to do things for the Republican for Latinos, but they never did. So she became a Republican who do nothing for Latinos at all. You know, everybody should fend for themselves. And uh, uh, it's sort of like, well, what makes you think you're going to get a better deal if you're disappointed the Democrats not helping you, not helping Latinos? Uh, what makes you think you're going to get a better deal with the Republicans? You know, I, I never, I never understood that about her. You know, it, it's, it's like the the follow up question I wish I had done with her. So, and on top of that, her advertising meaning not so much her well, flyers, the flyers that would come mm -hmm. out in the mail were always baffling. Where, and I, I know Pilar picked up on this finally, where it was like, yeah, she's sending out all these flyers to non Republican households where. Mm -hmm. The coloring is like oh blue and blue and gold. And when I first saw it in the mail, I thought, what did I get from UCLA? And then I realized, mm -hmm. oh, is she like, is she actually trying to say something about Ukraine with her own freaking advertising? Like, you look at you look. It was very carefully coordinated on her end because if you look at like the ads she would do for him on MS, they would run on MSNBC and a bastion of liberalness, and uh, uh, she would be wearing a blue dress never identify herself as a Republican and just say, these are the issues that, that bother me and I, I'm trying to fix them. And, and, and really what a great selling point. Cause she comes across as a Democrat because she talks about homelessness and, 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 uh, women's health, women's health and stuff like that. And it just, it, it's, she sounds like a Democrat and looks like a Democrat and, 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 and the blue dress subtle, but it works. And I, I think she played it out very well to, 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 to as far as making uh, Pilar look like the radical. You know, she was she was I congratulate her on, on running a good campaign. I'm not glad that she won, but I do think she ran a really good campaign. And that surprised me about her. I didn't expect that to happen. Um, Pilar should have won that, too. You know, when you look at the, the stats on, on on Democrats in this area and the district uh, versus how uh, the last Democrats ran in, in 2014 or is it, what, what year is this? 2000, 2020. <laughs> they they. Uh, you know, the, 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 the Democrats split the vote three ways and then Suzette kind of skirted her way in, but there were more Democrats voting. So Pilar should have won this race, yeah. but, but Suzette ran a better race, I think. And she had more money and, uh, and had a better plan, you know, as far as how to go. Pilar seemed to be a half step behind her on, on, on everything that Suzette, Suzette was making the choices and, and Pilar was always counterpunching as opposed to leading mm. the race and, and setting the agenda. I think that was her problem. Um, Christie's problem was she didn't have enough money to counter all the, the ads on Hulu <laughs> for Mike Garcia. We, we, we watched a, a 44 minute show on, on Hulu and there were eight ads in 44 minutes, four negatives to Christie and four positives for Mike Garcia. So that's eight ads supporting Mike Garcia in 44 minutes. <laughs> that's a lot of ads. Gotta get that Raytheon money. Yeah. yeah. Raytheon money. There you go. Bombing shit's gotta do count for something. Mm. <laughs> Flying over the uh the the weed farms in California is isn't enough for him. He's gotta spend the money somehow. <laughs> I, I just really don't understand what and we brought this up last episode. I really don't understand what the appeal of and I know this is gonna be heresy because given my background, but I don't understand the appeal of just grandstanding for militant titles like in his ads and i'm just like 
I get it. Like it, it sounds cool. And to for be, background, for Steven, you know, you're in the Air Force Reserve. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. And you know, I I understand the appeal um, to look up at the sky and see a cool plane. You know, when you're five <laughs> or six. Yeah. I think I even equated it as being like a kid unwrapping his favorite GI Joe on Christmas morning. Like okay. it, it's cool to pretend. Okay. Right. But here's an individual who bases his entire political identity and political leaning on the fact of his military background. And I'm like, I understand when individuals get out of the service that they have some choice opinions on the government that they just got done serving. Mm -hmm. But holy shit, like, can you be any more not subtle about like your background? Um, And Matt and I, we had a kind of a back and forth in regards to like the efficacy of skills taken from the service and it's like i would understand if it was a more like jag oriented or Mm -hmm. communications position that he served in but he didn't he was a fighter pilot which is badass on paper but wait he was a fighter pilot (laughs) yeah i I hadn't heard that (laughs) you learn something new about paunchy every day and it's one of those things where matt hit it exactly on the head what transferable skills outside of a cockpit you know if it would have well, been like hey to, i'm gonna be the next pilot for delta yeah okay you well, know does, like, he, i mean to his credit he has a master's in international relations from um i think it's international relations from uh, georgetown university i mean that's you know it's nothing to shake but who head. knows that yeah, yeah. Exactly. and i'm studying for and i'm studying for my master's in business administration but you don't see me spending the way he has he he put he, I asked him about that early on because I was and, and, you know, he he bagged on Christy for 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 some video, bootleg video of her talking about the fact that he said he was a fighter pilot. But it's like I asked him about it and he and he was laughing at it with me about how ridiculous it was about how much he talks about being a fighter pilot. And uh, he said, but we we do it because people go, oh, the fight, that guy, he's a fighter pilot. I remember him now. He's the one that's the fighter pilot. Did but I not, not hit the way. nail on the head last episode then? It is. <laughs> of the the like the name recognition and now it's become a part of his just his vernacular in the sense that like even his candidate statement was i think it was four paragraphs and two paragraphs talked about him being a fighter pilot out of the four paragraphs to sell Mm -hmm. yourself as i mean and and i agree with you uh sebastian in the sense of like what does that qualify him for to make him uh uh you know a united states congressman he's shown it to me at least and if you pay attention to him uh, an un, a, a lack of understanding about between the federal and the and the state the governments and what they do. Uh, he didn't understand the impeachment process when I talked to him about it one on one. He doesn't know. Uh, I understand healthcare issues, and these are things that like these are basic things that you should probably know if you're going to run for Congress. Exactly. He's these scared are... to talk to his constituents. And yeah. you know what it is. You know what it is too. In the military. All of that is taken care of for you. Okay. So more like I'm going out on a limb here guessing he probably didn't even have to think about this when he was serving. No. And I know most people don't because it's federally mandated that it's paid for. So, you know what? I I get it up to a point, but if you're going to be a civil servant in the position that you are, Mm -hmm. Ryan, you're going to get tired of me saying this, but read the fucking room because... These are your constituents that you're representative of. Mm-hmm. Representative of. He he really played it. I mean, it was very risky on his part, but he played it uh, off his base more than anything else. He, he counted on that base vote, the Trump fanatics, 
to vote for him and that that, that was good enough to get him by. Uh, but I do think a lot of that, the fact that he focused on the economy, and a lot of people don't know that the gas tax, has, he has nothing to do with the gas tax. There's nothing he can do about it. But he can rag about it and say, I want to get rid of the gas tax. And most people go, oh, okay, that's a good idea. I don't like the gas tax. I'll I ran into tax. some of the, his stumpers at Walmart recently. Mm. And it's like, you're not going to do anything by stumping for him. He can't do anything. The only thing you're going to do is just... Yeah, Collect I was signatures. gonna. I was gonna say it's easy to draw up straw man conclusions and mm -hmm. arguments that way because if it's something out of your control, but you're representative of a party that bastardizes it, like the Republican Party does, it's mm -hmm. it's one of those things where it's like you're going to take credit for something that is not fixed by you, but is indirectly fixed by the powers that be, and at that point in time, it's like who the hell am I voting for at that mm. point? You know? Well, he's also, I mean, he's very deceptive about what he does. Like he voted against the violence against women act initially because it, it was, uh, it limited guns going to people that were convicted of domestic violence. And he thought that was a violation of the first or second amendment. Uh, but then he came around and says, well, I, I co-sponsored the violence against women act, which took out that one thing that, 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 was really crucial to make the bill effective, you know, and, and but but everybody goes, oh, well, he he, he co-sponsored the Violence Against Women Act. You can't say he voted against it. Well, he did, but he's turned it around, to, and, you know, and, and, and a spin to make it look like, you know, he's a big supporter of it. And, and it's anything but that. So And he's going out of his way now. And I, when I say now, I mean um, shortly after the election, saying it was a resounding victory for him. Mm-hmm. And so far, at least from what I've seen, and, and anyone correct me if I'm wrong, as far as I know, I don't think Christie has conceded so far. She has not conceded. I know in uh, <clears throat> I know in 2020, it took a good month before it was finalized that he had won. So I have a bad feeling that uh, when we're talking about the, the death of Twitter for our season finale, uh, we'll <laughs> probably be talking about who finally won the mm -hmm. district, uh, the 27th congressional district race in California, but, uh, well, and I think too, and, and this gets to a bigger issue because I know Andrew, I feel bad because I feel like you're, you're out of the loop and the whole Santa Cruz politics thing, but don't worry. We'll, we'll get to the LA, the LA stuff that we've been no, talking I mean, about. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, I, of course I'm not hundred percent familiar with them, but I think the fighter pilot appeal that, you know, was discussed in the last episode, we had a guy out here in New Hampshire. I don't know if Ryan saw the ads, Don Bolduck, who, it's like army general and you know he had the uh military insignia on his ads and it still mm -hmm. plays really well i mean i don't know it's like it's the same uh you know guys with lifted trucks type demographic that you know didn't make the military that love that kind of stuff yeah so there's like a lot of that and a lot of it out here so you know rolling anybody rolls coal is going to vote for a fighter pilot so mm -hmm. i don't know the sign of clarity to that well but i know that he's probably got a large target audience. So to me, when I see Mark Garcia from the outside, it's like, yeah, like it, all the guys buying, you know, uh, Monster Energy drinks at the gas station in Saugus, like they're going to vote for him. So like, that's <laughs> what I think. Yeah, I think it's true. I mean, it, it, even his logo is borrowed from the Top Gun. Uh, I know. And, and it's like, dude, I, like, I get it. You're in the Navy. If, if it was me. <laughs> what what I is subtlety? Here, if I if it were me, would I bother to put Air Force wings on everything? 
No. It's it's, it's gotten because, to be a little ridiculous to be because honest. Because it's chuggy, it's tacky. It Chugy. doesn't look good in the in the eyes of a graphic designer, but Mike is not a graphic designer. He only knows what looks good based off of mm. what he thinks his constituents would like. And well, apparently, they, do. they like the, they like the fighter pilot thing, you know. Yeah, I could understand liking someone from a military background, but holy shit, how about talk about your politics? Considering it's the position you're running for, you know. It, like, you look, you can look at a lot of the Republicans that run out here. Dante Acosta, you know, you know, ran on the fact that he was, uh, 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 his he lost his son in, in the Iraq War and I mean or the Afghani War, and uh, you know, I'm sorry for the loss of his son, but he milked it. As a gold star yeah. only. I mean, he had it on his logos, the, the gold star, to say I'm a gold star dad. Vote for it's, me because of this. It's that instance where you have people in the know, and it it's like what um what Drew said perfectly. It's those people who didn't get into the military but want to mm-hmm. still feel as though they're part of that background, where you end up having those people who actually get into the military and still act like jackasses, right? <laughs> like they still use no, they still use that militancy, if that's even a word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To push along their point. And I don't know if it's because they want to act like brazened hard asses or, you know, disciplinarians, but that that really only gets you so far. I can understand having discipline and that being universally a skill that you use. But if you're coming across as a as a toolbox while you're proclaiming that you know something, how far is that going to get you? Like you know, like and and apparently Congress, the, <laughs> right? But to the point, but to the point of utilizing your son's death, that is just disgusting to hear. Like, well, he, well and it, it, was, it was a subtle way of doing it, though. I mean, it, oh, a, a gold it's star. still stealing valor. It's still stealing valor. Yeah, sure. At that yeah. Point. I mean, I, I, I kind of tread lightly on this because you know it is his son we're talking about and everything like that. But to say, and and I don't want to sound like I don't have sympathy for that fact, but but it was clear that that was like what he was banking on to get him elected. Was, was he a big war guy? If you don't mind me asking, was he in support? I, I, I I think he was initially until he lost his son. Really? So I was going to say, if he was in support of war after his son dying, that has to be the biggest low blow you could ever do to Mm. any military deaths, any wartime deaths. Like, are you kidding me? Well, that that's how you get the likes of John McCain, who you know went through what he went through in Vietnam, and then decided to back every military venture that we. I've been in since to, Vietnam, and you're like to back every military venture, sell out his fellow soldiers. Like, like have you uh, seen, have you heard the tapes? Like, that's who John McCain saying that. Yeah, mm-hmm. when he was in that POW camp. Oh, I haven't heard that. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous, and it kind of makes me understand why. You know, and I don't want to say this as as a more general statement, but like, it kind of makes me wonder why. Republicans being pro-war in many cases, why they think that would ever work as someone who's seen the other side of it. Uh, you know, I, I I think it's no coincidence that you find the biggest hawks are the ones that never served active duty. Right. And, and there you go. Yeah. And then you yep. see the people like my dad was was in the army, but he never saw active duty. But mm-hmm. he's a huge hawk. You know, let's go kick their asses. You know? Right. Right. And, right. But you look at somebody like Colin Powell, who had seen action, had dealt with it directly, and he was always the most hesitant about going to war. You know, the generals that have actually experienced uh, combat are usually the ones that are saying, no, 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 let's try and figure this out before we 
Yeah, because they because they know what's at risk and who's at risk. They're leading yeah, well, a, a whole battalion, you know. And, and in the case of Powell, he had already had a bit of a blight on his record, or a blot, or whatever on his record, um, for trying to hide the fact that the Milai massacre happened. So oh, really? until yeah, si, uh, Seymour Hirsch talks about it, I think, in his memoir, uh, Reporter, and I and it was something I wasn't even aware of. Um, and it was it was like convenient timing just because I think I was reading that when Powell passed away and it was like yeah. wait a minute, these things are these two things are connected. Yeah, um, well, and, mean, and, go ahead, go ahead, I'm sorry. Or I was just gonna transition as well, because um on the point of Mike, uh, the one the, the two things I'll say, one is even quicker. I think if anything, there's always going to be that inherently American desire to look up to somebody that has served in some capacity and mm. look at them and think because they've served, they have the guts to mm. be in whatever office they want to be in because that's something that is inherent in American history. Like mm. we went with a general as our first president. Like we thought it, there was a whole cult of personality around George Washington. And I mean, you know, not not saying which way or how, however I feel about the guy, but people did like him. And it was like, yeah, it seems like a no-brainer that one of the most beloved figures at that point in history and in the war was going to be president. Same with just about every other general who's been president and a lot of people that have fought. It's like, well, they've served their country in one way mm. in the tradition and in the spirit of, you know, Washington and Grant and Jackson and Eisenhower – Oh, it just seems to make sense. And I will say, too, and I, I've said this countless times now on this show, the LA Times put it perfectly ages ago, uh, and for all I know, it could have been in 2020, it could have been last year, I don't honestly remember when this article came out, but that just goes to show how many times I've mentioned it. Um, they they straight up had a headline about him basically saying he's running to the right of his district. And especially when it comes to the circumcision of Simi Valley, thanks to the redistricting, you would think that there would be that much more room for Democrats to win. And again, segueing with the LA Times, I actually just got a notification that read, it will absolutely come down to California. Control of the House hinges on these 10 state races. And I'm, I haven't opened it up, but I can safely mm -hmm. assume that, you know, the, the race between Christie and Mike is in there. Um, now, moving to Christie, because I know in the aftermath, and, and obviously in the aftermath of all three races that she's had in the last few years, there's always that outburst of finger-pointing and people get mm -hmm. mad at each other. Typically, the Democratic groups implode in some way and then coalesce and then go forward again, sort yeah. of copy and paste. I do know, and, and this also kind of opens the door to some of the other races going on. I know um, the city council race, it looked pretty close for one of the incumbents to be booted out, but apparently the, the candidate that was within reach of booting out the incumbent is a is somebody on the far right herself. Um, She's, from what I've understood, and, and it's interesting, it was interesting to, to get on the uh, one of the Facebook forum pages where they, for city council, and uh and question and ask it because she never responded and her supporters would dance around the question but supposedly she's an election denier and very much into QAnon. and um and the fact that uh the, well, a lot of her supporters that came out 
on that page when I was talking about it, they were a lot of people that were, um, well, let me put it this way. Mike Garcia's uh, brother-in-law and a uh, brother and sister-in-law were our big QAnon uh, election deniers too, you know, and, and then th those kind of people were supporting her. So I, I don't know. I, she lost by about a thousand votes. And uh, I was on the, the page about a week before election day. And uh, th there was about a thousand people in that forum. So a lot of them responded to me saying that she's an election denier and, and, uh, and a QAnon person that is like, Oh God, stay away. So I'd like to think I had something to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe i don't know <laughs> it's i'm gonna just kind of keep it in my my uh to myself that i i believe maybe i helped help her loss <laughs> obviously I'll, I'll bring it back to christy but very quickly yeah. i to some degree this does perfectly sort of u-turn back towards her where some obviously with my moving i've spent some time away from SCV politics. Mm -hmm. I've, I've kind of geared myself away from it. Although there's a few things like the LA mayor's race and the sheriff's race that I know we will get to. Don't worry, Andrew, we will get to that. Um, but uh, those have definitely been races I've talked at great length about with the boys and, uh, and even just with coworkers here, I've, mm -hmm. I've talked about it because those are races that I care about and races that I think a lot of people in SoCal care about. But in SCV, when it comes down to the, the city council race, I just, I found it fascinating when um, I saw multiple screenshots from one of the candidates and he called out members of a local democratic organization. I don't know if this is something you're aware of or you've seen anything or. Uh, Garcia did this or who did this it? was, this was Jeff Malik. Oh, oh, you know. Malik is an interesting character in the sense that I went to one of his uh, meet and greets and right. uh, was kind of turned off by him a little bit because he's so like, I'm I'm a progressive, I'm here for you kind of thing. But when you would sit there and talk to him, I'm like, okay, but you're talking about running for city council. Are you going to put a park someplace? What do, what do you want to do? And he couldn't tell you anything except like he wanted to uh, outlaw the Confederate flag in Southern Cal and, 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 and Santa Clarita. And I'm like, Dude, that's free speech. I may not agree with it, but that's free speech. You can't do that. You shouldn't do that, at least in my opinion. But um, he he had kind of a what do I say it a self a self righteousness to him. I could I could sense it when I talked to him, and he, he I think he actually seems to be mad about the fact that he didn't win. And okay. the fact the fact that he didn't win is like, well, surprise, if you looked at if you really looked at the city council race, people run three, four, five times before they finally win. You know, I, that, that's just the reality of it. You had no money. You were liberal. And, and uh, you know, you, you did a hell of a lot better than I thought you would. But um, he 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 I think he's mad because the Democrats supported him, but kind of half heartedly. You know, right. uh, he was an outsider that came in. He didn't know the Democratic groups very much. Uh, he didn't have much of a platform. Um, and so not everybody was on board with him. And I think he got, he was mad because they did that, you know. Um, uh, the, the, they, you know, to me, it's like, well, it's their club, man. You should be grateful that they gave you an endorsement. You know, don't throw, don't, don't throw it back in their face. You know, that's, well, he, that's what he did. The way he he described it, and I, again, I'm I'm just going off of what he said on yeah. Facebook, and I know yeah. originally it was public. It, people that saw it publicly yeah. know what he said, um, and I know he did follow it up with a part two. So 
now if you go see it and you don't follow him, it's like, okay, well, where's part one? Yeah. Um, where he, he, it's, it's, in his words, it's basically that this group, um, which as far as I know, I think is one of the newer, the newer democratic new groups. Yeah, um, yeah, the other one folded. Right. Uh, it, it basically, according to according to Jeff, they endorsed him and then turned around and told supporters to vote for the incumbents just because they were worried about um, the far right candidate breaking in the incumbents force field, if you will. Mm. And it didn't it basically looked as though, OK, so we're not going to generate our energy into getting well, anybody never... that isn't either an incumbent or a far right candidate into city council. Okay, that that and if that's based on what he said, that does come off pretty terrible. But at the same time, he got a lot of votes compared with some of the other candidates running, especially um, someone we've mentioned before on the show, David Barlavi, which was kind of surprising. Yeah. Um, well, I think David kind of knew his 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 race was kind of uh, combusting, so I think he just kind of decided to have fun. I I think he kind of gave up somewhere halfway through. Um, the race. I mean, it just hmm. felt that way as far as uh, his campaign was going. I mean, he called it his campaign was "Everybody Hates Dave." You know, come on. Yeah. Uh, but uh, and 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 Malik, it just bottom line, he just he just doesn't seem appreciative of of the fact that people were behind him at all. You know, I mean, he should be. If anything, he should be saying, "I'm going to run again in two years." I appreciate the people that supported me. We can do this next time around. I'll have two years to prepare and, and get and get in the game a little bit more, so or anything like that. But instead, he's lashing out at the people that did, that helped him, and that's not exactly smart. So no, and and I think to some degree it's it's a shame just because again, if if he's a new face, yeah, he's a new face. But I mean, I think this goes to a big broader question that does bring us back to the whole discussion on Christie, where. Mm. I think if folks think they're going to be able to win elections down the line, what happens if, and this is basically leading up to this question that I've been meaning to ask you this whole time. And I'm sure Matt, Sebastian jump in. Cause I know it's, it's, it was something that was brought to our attention last week, looking at what the races were going to be, which is if Christie loses a third time, mm. now what does that mean? Like, are Paging, we going to see Paging Jess Phoenix? Paige and Jess Phoenix. <laughs> uh, although I heard she's pretty much caught up in other stuff now. Uh, you know, for for Matt and Sebastian, I know Matt probably knows Sebastian. She was a volcanologist that ran for Congress in 2018, and probably the best debater of any of the candidates, and the most tele yes. tele uh, telegenetic, uh, telegenic uh, of the uh, of the candidates. She was fantastic. She couldn't get a, a lot of support behind her in between Katie and Brancaforio. But she, out of out of all those people, uh, she she's probably the best candidate I've seen out of anybody. You know, I mean, I Jess is one of those people I kind of questioned how much she wanted to to be a congressman as opposed to just being on TV. <laughs> but because uh, she does love to be on TV, but uh, uh, she was she was smart. She answered some of those questions and uh, when the debate I held with her and uh, against Caforio and Katie, I think she was the winner. Uh, mm -hmm. She had she answered best and 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 knew how to handle the questions. I mean, just smart. I because Christie's over. I mean, I, I got to be honest with you. She after three tries, um, no, it, it's done. For, she's done. Uh, she may come back again for something else, but she cannot run for Congress again. So we've got to find somebody 
that's capable of fundraising and 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 familiar with the groups out here to to run and i i don't know who that's going to be uh you know honestly it, 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 it i was wondering that the other day so i mean do you think can you think of anybody that they could run right now that uh i mean i mean, I, I, I mean given how it's treated like jury duty i'd say anyone <laughs> no i'm kidding <laughs> no, no we had that joke last time where it's like you know it's 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 your turn basically to run for uh you know but it takes i mean it, it, it congress to be a it real takes, competitor it, it takes it, gumption it takes discipline it takes money, all the things that mike money. garcia would you know undoubtedly utilize and is utilizing but just not in the correct way yeah. yes i understand failing upward <laughs> falling up yeah falling up so. oh hi mike <laughs> Well, I mean, it, I think, too, it, it goes back to a, another discussion I had this week with some friends back home where, you know, they, they I mean, they were banking on Christy to win. The discussion that we had had was, OK, well, what could have been done differently? And I know this was something that was brought up every now and then. I think for the most part, it was it was always separate because the four of us, Stephen, myself, Matt and Sebastian never really had like a meeting together until now. Mm -hmm. was always like okay but you know okay it looks like a lot of the energy is going toward christy in the primary mm -hmm. but why can't that energy go to any other candidate who could have a chance and i think i i i think i i mean i agree with you 100 percent. if if christy were to go a fourth time it's like no please <laughs> no, no don't yeah. Yeah. But her supporters, who I was definitely at the, the mercy of during the Proclaimer days, where I, I still vividly remember our last election story, somebody lost it over the fact that I, I took four random pictures of candidates yeah. for four for several different races, mm -hmm. collaged them together, and somebody was like, oh, you really went out of your way to pick out those candidates' faces. Where's Christy? And I'm like, it's right. There's like a hundred candidates, mm. you know, Christy can't be the candidate for, is she running for city council? Uh, Facebook user number 3 million and 75. I don't think so. Mm. Um, so it was, it was sort of like, okay, fine. Obviously she's going to be the candidate, mm. but was it worth getting her to be the candidate if there could have been a better alternative? We didn't have anybody else though. I mean, you know, you can't, when you look at the three races she ran, you know, the first one she got thrown into with, with like a month of prep before she was running into it, you know, cause the whole Katie Hill thing was a big, well, you know, a bunch of malarkey. And, and, and then, um, so she runs, she runs into a situation where essentially she's got to run for, for Congress. She's not expecting it. Right. And, and Garcia's already raised a bunch of money and on top of it, it's been running for a year. So she already the the odds are against her. Then you add on to the fact that the the the, the real general election, she's in the middle of a pandemic, and unlike the Republicans, we won't you know the Democrats weren't willing to put people in jeopardy by spreading the the uh, the, uh, the virus by door knocking. Garcia did, so you can't hate her or or, or blame it completely on her for that. But this last race, this just recent one. Um, you know, 
everything was in our favor. Garcia had voted to, to for the insurrection. It had had, had uh, voted against everything that was would help out people in this area. Um, was proving himself to be a major partisan, and and then uh, and then you the dis red, uh, the redistricting had thrown more Democrats in in this way, and for her to not make it, you know. It's shocking, really. I mean, it's it was her race to lose, and was and that's the bottom line. I, and I love Christy to death, but that, it's just the truth, you know. I I met with her I, when there were four candidates in the race in the primary. I met with her, and I said, "Look, I was listening to the podcast that I've done with these other candidates, and the one thing that's consistent is they don't hesitate about calling Mike a traitor based on his vote for the insurrection. You're the only one that hems and haws a little bit about it when I asked you about it." Mm -hmm. uh, you need to come out and say he's a traitor. And she was real careful about it. She says, well, wait until the data is out there to support it. And I'm like, but you know where he voted. I mean, and, and all the other candidates are, are not. It came across as wishy-washy is what I was, is, was what I was trying to tell her. Right. And it'd be better to stand your ground and, 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 and maybe apologize later <laughs> than, than to come across as wishy-washy going, well, I just want to wait before I actually call him a traitor, you know, because people wanted to call him a traitor, you know, um, she, and, and her whole campaign was like that a lot. It was very careful uh, to, and I, and I think that that was a mistake on her part that she should have taken some risks on, on some of the votes and, and some of her stances on things. And because I think George W. Bush proved it. It's, it's like people, would rather vote for somebody that they don't agree with that stands his grounds, stands their grounds, than than somebody that's wishy washy about it. You know, that goes, well, what do the polls say, and everything like that. You know, mm -hmm. um, so I think that that's kind of where, where she got hurt. You know, I I vividly remember seeing this and noticing it before I moved was that with all the advertising that I saw, I hardly ever saw anything for her or even against her for that matter, and then. At some point, I was scrolling through Twitter, and she was talking with somebody that I don't know if this person was a constituent or Christy just decided to have a conversation with a random Twitter user that claimed to be in the district. But she basically was like, yeah, there, there's no money in the advertising, so we, we just need more support. And I mean, I you know, I, I know you mentioned it earlier about the lack of funding, but it's just like... I don't know. I keep wondering, would that energy have been there had it been, and obviously this is a lot of what ifs, but mm -hmm. had it been a different candidate, do you think that energy and funding could have been there? Um, Mike and obviously been, I, it would have been a different story if Quay wasn't involved in the whole equation, yeah. but. Mike couldn't have beat Katie Hill. Uh, Katie had right. too much money and, and too much popularity. Christy, in, in contrast, is not as, she's great, but she doesn't have that, Dynamic, 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 dynamism. That, yeah, thank yeah. you, dynamism. Thank you. Uh, that uh, Katie had, and Katie was a smart campaigner. She did that rock climbing video that she did a commercial that was really impressive, and the the one take commercial about I don't take special interest and I'm wandering through the office. Very clever commercials that made you stop and go. Well, I don't necessarily agree with her, but I like her. You know, Christie's were commercials in contrast were very conventional nothing nothing special nothing nothing you go well i want to show this ad on this tv you know like msnbc or cnn wasn't grabbing going let's show this ad because it's so unique you know which they were doing with katie hill stuff you know because it's just it, it, and and you voted for christy because you were a democrat you voted for katie because you'd like katie 
and that and that's that mm. was the difference between the two. But but I also say this to 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 Christie's credit and to Katie's credit, a lot of it was Katie's election was a lot of anti-Trump. You know, uh, I don't know if 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 Biden was president or Barack Obama was president or George W. Bush was president, if Katie could have gotten the support she got, that got that got her elected. I think mm-hmm. a lot of that had was very anti-Trump, you know, and Chrissy didn't have that this time around either. So to, for people to build on. Matt, Sebastian, I don't know if you have any any questions for Stephen or anything you want to add on the whole Christy matter before we move on to uh, City of Angels. Oh, no, I'm good. Um, I'm pretty content as well. Um, as someone who is not a resident of Santa Clarita, though has had more experiences than I not so much not care to admit, but have just sort of fallen into my lap that I've seen. Um, you know, it's interesting having this many perspectives, even though, uh, two out of the five of us are not even in California. So (laughs) I don't know. It just, it's amazing how it just still affects us all, even though two of us live here or two of us live there. So I don't know if you want to mention at all the cartoon, uh, Oh, which one? The Chris, well, there was the Christie cartoon. Cause I know that was a, a, not, not, um, to, not to not to show too much behind the curtain, but I know that was sure. a point of contention that well, I had I mean, to I had to be the I, I had mean, to be the Lincoln of the equation. Sure, no, I I don't really know if there was if there was any contention. I sure as hell didn't see it, but uh, you know, comparatively to myself in my Django Fett isms, you know, I'm just a man trying to make his trying to make his way in the galaxy. And really the, why I did it was because I like to draw and that it paid well. And it got you in touch with a local Satanist. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. No, there you go. <laughs> um, so one of the, so. What was it? Why don't you, uh, uh, yeah. backstory, explain what the cartoon was. Uh. So this was a cartoon that Ryan and I kind of muddled over um, while we were, God, what was this, October, November of 2020? It it was whenever One? Rhoda Nazanin dropped out, which I think was over the summer of 2021. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what this was, was lampooning Smith's, um, I guess, dominance over her other uh, competitors. And it was lampooning Smith. It was lampooning um, Steve Hill, and there was another one. I think Rhoda, Rhoda, because Rhoda had just dropped out, so we had Rhoda to, had dropped the idea out. Was her face would have to be in the cartoon. Yeah, and basically, it was um, banking on the. Uh, I don't want to say fanboyism because that just it, it's not the right terminology. I guess <laughs> I guess sycophancy of some of Smith's uh, supporters. Well, I, I I basically said, hey, this might help Christie because a candidate just dropped out. And right. again, I mean that that's just the way it would be in any race where if you've got a front runner, somebody drops out, and it's you know by that point, Rhoda. I think was one of the first candidates in the race to upright say I'm running because of what happened on January 6th. Yeah. For her to then drop out, I'm I'm like, "Oh shit, Sebastian, th- this could help Christie and her supporters are probably ooing and on right now." Um mm-hmm. and turned around and and the comic went up and it was basically 
it, it was kind of having her in a bit of a like Palpatine kind of, you know, my supporters have done well, you know, kind of cartoon. And, you know, it was, <laughs> it, it, it was, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I got a chuckle because it's like, yeah, I, I, and I, I got a chuckle from the standpoint of somebody who was getting feed. Well, negative feedback from a lot of Christie supporters for just having articles up about the other candidates. And it's like, well, mm -hmm. Hey, you don't want other people running for Congress, uh, which, yeah, get, which, get your organizations in order. Like, I don't know what to tell yeah, you. Yeah. Which the, is a perspective uh, that I didn't see because short of me submitting the cartoon and it getting published, that was it. I really didn't see any contact of any of, uh, Christie supporters because, you're not at the mercy of Facebook, so, uh, Facebook interactions because right, you're not on it. I don't have Facebook. But yeah, no, it was interesting because in the, just my last point, when uh, Steve Hill reached out to me because he actually liked my cartoon and then subsequently never followed up with me because I offered to actually illustrate for him as well. Yeah. That was about the time when I was just like, okay. I've I found a way to effectively implement my 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 artistry, my illustrations, and have it be political, but not have it be personally affecting my livelihood. Because I look at everyone who runs in Santa Clarita as a caricature in and of itself. Otherwise, <laughs> why the hell would we be portraying them in this manner? Uh, Andrew, so races, elections, something. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I was just looking and... Uh... It looks like the LA results were just updated as we were speaking, or maybe, you know, at this point, a couple minutes ago. And uh, yeah, Karen Bass, Rick Caruso, not sure everyone's district in LA anymore for who votes for who, but Karen Bass is up on it still, uh, 306,990 votes to 297,527, 50.78% to 49.22. Um, still some room to go, but, you know, close, very close for comfort. You know, I think it's, um, what an indictment on LA for all the people that are like, LA is full of phonies and LA is just full of, you know, Instagrammers and stuff. And then look, LA, Isn't goes, it? Ahead, LA goes ahead and votes for Rick Cruz <laughs> anyway. So I know there's still votes yeah. to be counted, but. Um, you know, you know I, I like Caruso. He's a wishy-washy Democrat, but. The truth is he gave very specific ideas as to what to do about the homeless issue in Santa and in, in Los Angeles. So I, to me, it was very practical. He had very practical, like, this is what we're going to do. Uh, Karen Bass kind of skirted around uh, her ideas uh, as, to, as to what to do and things like that. And I think a lot of loyalty goes to Karen Bass just because she's a Democrat, a well-known Democrat. Well, yeah. I, mean, I grew up near the Americana and it could have been housing. So when I think of Rick Caruso... I think I go to the, I used to go to the Americana every day and then, just, mm. you know, and, you know, Clayton Kershaw lived there at one point. So it's just like, come on, like, where, where's the housing for like people like my mom on rent control? Rick Caruso to me goes in, in one ear out the other. So like, I, I'm pretty upset about it. I'm just like, mm. you can't talk about, you know, helping homeless people when you're that rich, you should have done something by now, you know, at least Karen Bass doesn't have like her own huge personal war chest of development dollars to, you know, so she doesn't have That's that. That's true. So when yeah. I see Rick Russo, that's like my number one thing. Like, where were you, uh, you know, back then? Well, you know, and, and, and th that comes back to like, I mean, like when people talked about uh, Trump versus Hillary Clinton, you know, I, I used to say, well, look at, you know, one guy spending all his millions, you know, trying to make himself richer. 
and has never done anything in public service. And the other one who who went to an Ivy League school for law could have worked for any you know organization that they she wanted to. Uh, spent her life in public service. You know, she's rich, but she could have been a lot richer if she'd chosen to work in, in the private sector. And you you got to kind of wonder what is their motivation? You know, you know what, what 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 look at their past history and stuff like that. So I'll give you that on about Karen Bass definitely uh, versus uh, uh, Rick Russo. I don't know too much about this race because I'm not voting in this race. Mm. But like, just it gives me pause that from what I understand from the people who are more invested in it, it's like. Hey, he's kind of pro Trumpy-ish and he um he's anti-choice. He's like very, very strongly anti-choice, which gives me a lot of pause. Which his Twitter would make guy. you think the opposite. Caruso, I, I from what I've seen, and I, I'm I'm definitely more on Andrew's side of the equation than Steven's side in this matter, because I, I kind of look at Caruso and he, he's tapping into that sort of apolitical businessman type yeah. that somebody like have to bring him up sorry sebastian but that christopher hitchens would doubt um because it's the whole idea of well i'm oh look at me i'm a businessman and i can fix everything and you look at his past and you know he's donated money to mitch mcconnell and donated money to anti-abortion campaigns and then roe v wade gets killed and he talks about how he's going to defend uh a woman's right to choose and it's kind of like you see things like that, and then of course it, the fact that it takes—it feels like it takes forever for Karen Bass to ever say anything. Yes. Meanwhile, her competition is getting endorsements from Snoop Dogg, and you're just thinking to yourself, <laughs> "Well, I'm, I'm sold now." <laughs> it's—I yeah. mean, it's—it's it, shocking, and and again, like even I still remember the first time I even ever heard about Rick Caruso. I was just going out on a walk, listening to a, a podcast called LA Podcast, basically mm -hmm. talking about the way. Or at least how we would react to homelessness getting to be a much larger issue in and around the areas that he's, you know, that he owns, whether it's the Grove mm. or the Americana. And yes, it leads to a, it leads to bigger, it, it's, there's bigger issues at play here, but to me at least it always came across that he was running for mayor, wanting to do so because he wanted to solve home, resolve homelessness. The same kind of way that Trump wanted to be president just because he looked at immigration as our number one problem when it's one of a litany of problems that our country has. Well, let me let me clarify that that I was fine with either Karen Bass or Rick Caruso. I was leaning more toward Caruso. I, I can't vote in an election either, but yeah. um, without knowing much about Caruso. The, the difference, though, between Caruso and Trump, though, is Trump goes... I'll give you the best health care there is, you know, and but he never gives you specifics. Caruso did give specifics on what he wants to do with the homeless issue and 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 broke it down and everything. Um, but, you know, I think I have more issue with the fact that people vote for Karen Bass, not because she's got better ideas, just because she's the Democrat in the race. You know, uh, that that concerns me, that partisanship. You know, I used to go to those L.A. County uh, Democratic meetings and it just. Yeah, and I'm sure the Republican meetings are the same way. It's just like this is our way or the highway kind of thing. You know, you don't question, you get in line. And I'm like, eh, not for me. And 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 I think a lot of people have a tendency to to, to just go, well, I, if they're the Democrat. I'm going to vote for them. They're the Republican. I'm going to vote for them. Doesn't matter what ideas they have or, or what their history is. Look at Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker is going to get in. Not if he gets in, it's going to be not because he's a brain, you know, genius. He's going in because he's going to bring that Republican vote in, and that's it. 
You know, that's the right. only reason he's going to get elected. So I think when you start judging candidates based on the fact that solely that they're a Democrat or a Republican, you're you're running into trouble right off the bat. I, I think as well, and this is something that a lot of observers in L.A., and especially if they're younger observers, the thing that they're always going to miss is just the fact that we have had very... It's difficult because I don't want to have to necessarily say, well, it's a Caruso-style or a Trump-style candidate. But mm -hmm. we've had a lot of very just controversial, outspoken candidates, the likes of Trump or Caruso. Mm -hmm. There have been a series of those mayors over time, and I think now because of just the hypersensitivity of everything, politically speaking, yeah. it does make a candidate like Rick Caruso appear that much more dangerous when... You could just go back 50 years and you've got someone like Sam Yorty, who in a lot of ways was the Donald Trump of L.A. And in a lot of ways, arguably much more terrifying figure than Trump. Wait, I have to Google that real quick. Who is? I've never heard of this person. <laughs> of this person. Oh, he, he, he was, to my knowledge, and I, I have to go back. I know he was in um, Mike Davis's last book, Set the Night on Fire. But he was one of the mayors of L.A. during the 60s and okay. raving, raving far right figure completely against the civil rights movement completely against the black panthers i don't recall necessarily if, if he tried playing a hand in angela davis going to prison but it, it, it was it was one of those cases where he was just everything wrong with the reaction to the changes of the 60s I'm like he was the embodiment of just being against the change democrat too yeah, and, and in a lot of ways, he, he acted very much like a Dixiecrat. Like, he just, you know, and, and obviously this was at a very weird time for the party, especially in contrast to where it, where it had even been 20 years prior. But anyway, not to go down a full <laughs> history, because we, we, we definitely could, and I, I won't, I won't yeah. drag us there, but... Well, we can leave it on this note. According to Wikipedia, in 1997, a survey of urban historians, political scientists conducted... At the University of Illinois Chicago rated Yorty the third worst U.S. big mayor, big city mayor since 1960. So, you know, he was he was classic. So yeah, he. I mean, I and I, I won't say that Caruso is going to be on the level, or at least could be on the level of Sam Yorty, but mm. at the same time, I've been wrong before. So I I think that's where I I I see some overlap, but I think it's going to come off as very reserved and moderate, despite. Mm -hmm. what actually follows um right. but anyway um before we get to the sheriff's race we'll, we'll save the best for last we also had some propositions that some clearly won and then some clearly won in a way that just was actually kind of surprising because i know that prop one state that was measure abortion, one wasn't that the abortion measure the, yeah the abortion measure won overwhelmingly um mm -hmm. i know that was something that we had talked about last week and then on top of that we had both uh, both measures with regards to in-person roulette, dice games, and sports wagering on tribal lands, as well as the online and mobile sports wagering. Both of those got a resounding no. Oh, Jesus. Why is that bad? Why is it bad? Yeah. Oh, because ga because the gamblers that I know are some of the most into intolerant people ever. And I, I'm sorry, not intolerant. Mm -hmm. uh, Knuckle-dragging individuals, I should say, that I think I've ever had the displeasure of ever meeting. <laughs> uh, and I'm saying this not because I'm speaking for the service, bringing it back. There's yeah. a lot of people who like use, uh, what was it, like DraftKings. Another one was, um, 
oh god what was it there was like another big one um FanDuel FanDuel there mm-hmm. thank you um a lot of individuals that I knew in tech school in Virginia where I ended up getting um uh placed to to do my job or to learn how to do my job uh Immediately after boot camp, you know, when you get your phone, people are checking their, their, you know, they're checking their stocks, they're checking their bank account, because for a lot of people, it's the first time where you have a substantial amount of money coming out of basic training. Mm -hmm. So what do they do? They go to FanDuel, they go to DraftKings, and they immediately start signing up for these sports betting sites or stock trading because, you know, it's it's the hip thing to do. Everyone's got to have a Robinhood account, right? And... What you end up seeing are a lot of individuals signing up, not knowing that I believe Virginia, it's not legal technically, and they're registering it in the state of Virginia. I'm not a fan of people who don't know how to spend their money properly, let alone budget. And that's coming from someone who, despite working directly on tarmacs with airplanes, my civilian occupation is within financial management uh, in a more clerical role. Um, hopefully with the opportunity to or to give financial advice because I'm not legally allowed to, you often find that someone who budgets their money one way or the other and the efficacy of them being decent with remote decision-making in general goes hand-in-hand. Um PLDR, while I'm not the biggest fan of gambling and understand the conservative argument of, well, this is why things get funded because there is a large pool mm-hmm. of individuals who, I'm just going to say it, uh, who have this tax imposed upon them because they don't know what the hell else to spend their money on. Because I get the thrill, I get the thrill of a vice. You know, similar to smoking or drinking or even having sex, I understand that it that it's a rush and that it invokes endorphins. Um, I'm just not the biggest. I'm not the biggest uh, fan of uh, not invoking, but um, enforcing bad behavior. Specifically, bad habits. You were against and, the the online gambling. <laughs> just because yeah, I've seen yeah, it I was going to say, where's where, where this going? <laughs> yeah, just because I've seen it ruin a lot of individuals' lives, thinking that in chasing that high, they're not chasing a high; they're chasing their losses at the end of the day. Well, I mean, I looked at it as you know, you got two two different measures, both dealing with online gambling and supposedly mm-hmm. going to help homelessness. And both of them are ragging on each other about how the other one won't do anything and the other one will. And mm-hmm. and I, I ended up just voting no on both of them because it's just like, well, it sounds like in both cases, it's a bunch of special interests. Well, I posed this question last episode. Do you believe that in voting yes on both of these measures that eventually this state would be similar to that of Nevada, where in having the jurisdiction to enact these measures and basically legalize we would have a state where essentially taxes non-existent because there's so much gambling revenue. Yeah, but I think there's, a, to be honest with you, I think there's a certain inevitability to online gambling going nationwide eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the same sense that the pots are eventually going to be legal in every state. Right. Um, it's just, it, there's an inevitability to it. 
I'm not a big fan of the idea, but mm-hmm. I do think there's some inevitability to it. So, right. There's just too, well, much, I mean, too, much, too much money to be made. There's you know? definitely too much money to be made, similar to how there's a lot of money to be made on an individual who can't seem to quit smoking, but thinks that a $10 price tag is reasonable on a simple box of cigarettes, which, yeah, but see, <laughs> you know, like that's kind yeah, of I where quit, I quit smoking because of the cost. Right. You know I mean? So, so, you know, the cost of gambling or whatever, you know, or smoking, or whatever, by putting taxes, I taxes on it and, and, and mm-hmm. making it too expensive to even explore, you know, yeah. if, 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 if they're going to make online gambling legal in California, fine, make the minimum bet $200 or something like that to where it's like, it, I walk away from the high stakes tables when I'm in Vegas because I can't afford them. And right. to step in too, just because I, I do want to move on to one more prop very quickly that I know we briefly mentioned last week. And of course the sheriff's race is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that I think it seemed weird to me from the get-go that if California's in a surplus, mm-hmm. and and obviously there's a lot of questioning as to whether or not that surplus could ever, hate to say it, but trickle its way down to resolving homelessness in any meaningful way all across the state, why on earth allow two propositions to go through that are claiming they're going to you know raise up enough money to potentially change the state of homelessness in California? while also trying to help California tribes that claim they don't have casinos when they do. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I know one of the mm-hmm. tribes that was very prominent in the pro ads uh, for one of these propositions made it seem like as though they weren't benefiting off of any casinos, but they have casinos. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it was a little bit like, okay, well you do have casinos. So what, what's your point? Right. And, and then and on top what of is that, main... it was, yeah, what is the main point of having that casino other than just fuck loads of revenue? But it was also ironic because it was also coming from a, a tribal leader who I know um, has been very vocal against Gavin Newsom and feels left out. There's a sense of, and again, this goes to what Stephen had mentioned earlier about special interests, where it's like, okay, clearly this is a way to just kind of stick it to Gavin. But mm. if that was the way it was supposed to go, I mean... I'm surprised people voted the way they did. But anyway, I do also see that the additional funding for arts state measure overwhelmingly passed, which I know, Sebastian, you had talked about last week um, in relation to the whole COC party. Um, so uh, <laughs> it's it's good to know that... COC? No, I was as, at CalArts. CalArts, sorry. Yeah. I, it's Hey, Santa Clarita doesn't have that many cool schools. Um, so that's... Yeah, you heard it from me. I don't. I don't really care. Um, I'm not there anymore, so nobody can like come out and find me. But I will say, uh, in, at least in regards to that proposition, it all goes back to what it says on my Instagram profile: um, read good books, save the arts. And then finally, uh, actually, before we get to sheriff, I'll just also quickly mention: I also understand that there was one other LA City Council race that I know had a lot of people's attention. Um, especially on the more progressive side of politics. And that was, if I can just scroll all the way down to it, um, it was the 13th district race between Mitch O'Farrell and Hugo Soto Martinez. Um, At this point, Hugo is well over where Mitch is at. So you're now about to get your third progressive voice on the city council. That's a shame. I like Mitch O'Farrell. I, I, seen him a few times when i worked at one press job mm-hmm. i know he's gotten 
in my opinion, an appropriate amount of flack after what happened with the whole Echo Park homeless encampment. But I don't know anything about that. So I, I, I've met Mitchell Farrell on, on my own um, and found him to be uh, very genuine as a person. But I, I honestly don't know enough about city politics to, to make a judgment of, as, as as far as the city council goes, to be honest with That's you. That's fair. Yeah. Um, and then finally, the sheriff's race. Andrew, I don't know if you want to break this down. Uh, I, I feel terrible because I feel like we've, we've left you out in some way. And I No, I not at all. That. Not at all. It's, uh, you know, my mom was talking about voting. It's like I, back home in L.A., like still, you know, in the in the know, I guess. But uh, Robert Luna, the challenger to Alex Villanueva, is winning by a, a comfortable margin, 58 percent to 41 percent, 867,000 votes to 608,000. I don't know if this is surprising to you guys to see Villanueva get smoked like this i don't know if ap has actually called it yet which is kind of interesting but this also comes in light of the news that he was asking sheriffs to the deputies to campaign the da's investigating not a good look for villanueva all around but you know good for the people of la for uh voting for change and there was also that measure allowing the i think it's the board of supervisors to uh remove the sheriff for cause for a four mm -hmm. vote so really people uh the city of la was fed up but i was honestly not expecting them to be fed up uh this much i don't know if the the, the margin is surprising to any of you guys it's extremely surprising i mean I'm, i don't mean to jump in on, on this but, uh, but i will tell you By all means that, you're our guest okay well then i'll jump in <laughs> um the sheriff's race when you look at uh how long uh what's his name was in was what gosh darn it what was his name um there was a sheriff for Baca? Like, uh, yeah Baca Baca was sheriff for like 30 years and uh and and every time that someone challenged him it was it was a situation where they didn't have enough money or and they would always vote for the incumbent so it's a little surprising that Luna's doing as good as he is to be honest with you because I I've kind of like accepted the fact that whoever is Sheriff is going to stay sheriff for a long time, <laughs> but Villanova, Villanova, whatever his name is, uh, he he came out here um, when he was running the first time around, and visited the D the local Democratic organization. Said, "I'm a Democrat, blah 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 blah." And I'm you know I want reform. to reform, reform, and everything like that. And one of the first things he did was rehire a guy that had been uh, 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 taken off the sheriff's uh, deputies list because of a, a conviction of domestic violence, and hired the guy back. And, and, you know, the people with domestic violence are known to be, the uh, you know, in general, just crazy with guns. And you put them in a, in a deputy position. I mean, it just shows right off the bat that he was making bad decisions right, right from the beginning. And he kind of sold himself as this liberal Democrat that was going to reform and change things. And he did anything but that. If anything, it seems like he's reinforced the perception that people have of the sheriff's department being an incredibly corrupt organization. Yeah. So I mean I'm I'm very hopeful Luna pulls it off because um we we need change in that office definitely. Yeah, it's funny. I didn't even realize Villanueva was an Air Force veteran. Oh, really? Jeez. <laughs> I didn't Yeah, uh, did he did he Mark Garcia there? Um I I'm I'm happy. I mean, obviously I can't vote, but I'm really happy. I think it's awesome to have somebody I you know, I hate to use the term like from the streets, but really somebody who seen it from both sides uh mm -hmm. robert luna is actually from 
the areas where I used to go play baseball with my cousins and stuff. And it's just like really just literally in the know of like what's going on. And I guess I, I was at Villanova was after my time. I really never understood the, I guess if there was at a time a describable cult of personality around Villanueva. I know, you know, the tides had been churning for a while. And I don't know if you guys that read that uh, Gustavo uh, Ariano series with him in the LA Times, which is pretty good as well. But really just like this uh, Trumpian churn, it's like, it's funny to see the contrast in LA County where you have, is Villanueva a hard Trumper is, or not really? He's made himself out to seem that way. Although again, four years ago, we wouldn't have known. Yeah, it's just interesting to see how that plays out in L.A. County, which is enormous, versus how, and I realize, you know, as per the earlier discussion, different factors in Garcia versus Smith, but it's just really interesting to see uh, the difference there. And maybe it's a policing thing, like maybe if this was a representative race, uh, maybe it'd be a Mike Garcia type situation. I don't really mean, I don't want to compare the two, but I think this is really interesting how voters are rejecting that that mindset that kind Mm. of campaign style in a certain race when it comes to law enforcement versus when it comes to an elected office with no you know no hand in community policing so i thought that was a really interesting dynamic i don't know what to make of it but you know i'm happy with the result well you're not too far off in terms of analogizing the two because um mike and alex i guess uh because they would be seen together every now and then, whether it was, I mean, for the most part, it was either the two of them in a helicopter overseeing whatever weed farms they were finding in Antelope Valley. And then if they held a presser together, it was, it was kind of like, if anything, it was Mike's way, Mike's way of showing himself having some kind of law and order affiliation with Villanueva and if you had that sort of guilty by association feeling of, oh, the liberals are trying to come after me the way Villanueva had, then it was it was good for for both of them because it basically showed that you had a good old boy supporting Villanueva. Right. And for Mike, it was showing he was a law and order candidate despite being, you guys won't believe this, despite Mike being a fighter pilot. That's the What? Is that- Mind Wait a minute. Yeah. Mike Garcia was a fighter pilot. And then do like, does your average voter like conflate military service with policing experience or? Oh, definitely. Definitely. A lot of individuals who end up in the police department are either ex-military or have some level of military combat training, which again, as far as transferable skills go, if it would have been Mike Garcia, the local, the local sheriff, this is what I learned from the military running. I mean, I would have assumed that like, okay, that's where the militancy comes in. Right. I would maybe be a little bit hesitant in the fact that he was a fighter pilot and sort of, I guess, manning a police chopper. Okay. Like, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I understand that you're essentially doing two boot camps because you have to have, gone through Navy basic training and then going through with the police academy. Cool. Kind of thing, <laughs> you know, like that's the way I look. I, if I, if I hear Garcia's name one more time, like, can it just be over? Please. Can, can the votes be, ha- can the votes be counted already? 
patience is a is a virtue. It is a boring virtue. <laughs> hey, Tom Petty said it best, man. Waiting's the hardest part. Yep. Amen. If anything, we, we might just briefly mention it next week. Uh, at this point, I think election coverage for season three of Mars on Life is, for the most part, done. Uh, thus concluding our two-part, well, I guess three-part, if you include when Drew and I talked about it over the summer uh, ahead of the primary. Steven, where can the good people find you on social media? Oh, um... <laughs> um you know what to be honest with you i've kind of walked away from all that uh I, there I, you go that's the I, way to live i i am very very rarely on facebook now and um uh my twitter account i keep anonymous because i don't want to <laughs> i can speak my mind i have found that uh particularly if you're looking for jobs they the first thing you do is they go to your facebook and your your twitter accounts now and look at what your political views are and uh so i've been avoiding being too visible so <laughs> the talk of santa clarita is still available on youtube if somebody wants to watch it just go to talk of santa clarita i mean youtube slash talk of santa clarita there's about 100 uh interviews available on archives uh, to watch the matt garcia one is uh, matt garcia mike garcia one is actually pretty interesting um uh, but no i'm not anywhere don't don't bother me go away <laughs> get off my lawn <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I, I was going to really emphasize, hey, man, that Twitter account, you know, with all that's going on, it's really good to get those followers now before uh, Twitter shuts down. But uh, <laughs> that'll that'll be for a future episode. I, re- I rarely tweet, tweet anyway. Anyway, but when I do, ooh, nothing happens. So, <laughs> Stephen, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, it's been as it is with it feels like so many guests. It's been years in the making. Is that way with Matt? <laughs> unfortunately um so i i'm <laughs> i'm here now and you're here permanently can you imagine handing over 25 percent of our show to this clown i mean okay. <laughs> yeah again steven thank you so much glad you made the the time to join us and um you back listeners this has been episode 139 of mars on life look up our show on instagram and twitter by searching at mars on life show and give us a follow. Tune in to the latest episodes and bonus content from our show wherever podcasts are found, including Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Also, don't forget to head on over to the official Mars on Life YouTube channel to like and subscribe our work. This show's artwork, Happy Mars, is by Zachary Erberich, while our intro and outro is Space Explorers by Kevin McLeod. If you keep going, you'll make it to Mars. <laughs>